Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined with the one and only co-host, Jonathan Miklos. Hope everybody's had a great two weeks. We haven't been on air since Super Bowl 50, and let me just tell you, it was a very depressing football game. We'll talk about that a little bit since we haven't been able to get our thoughts on this game, on this show. Jonathan, how are you doing, buddy? Glad to have you on. Uh, Well, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, you know, beautiful weather down here in uh, Florida, so I can't complain too much. Well, it's raining here like it normally does, so I can complain. <laughs> That's all it's been doing. It's all it's going to do. I feel like I, I'm, I may as well move to Seattle, you know, and uh, I'm a Seahawks <laughs> fan or something. You know, oh, you get as no. much rain. Well, what do you think about that Super Bowl, man? I mean. Was it rigged as bad as I thought it was, or did was Denver just better? <laughs> well, what I thought we saw was the number one defense in the NFL this year. Um, they came out and played well. I mean, an offensive line that everybody kind of worried about was waiting for it to have it slip up, had it slip up at the worst possible time. Uh, Cam Newton in his first time in the big game, you know, I don't blame Cam. And I know a lot of people are throwing a lot of vitriol towards Cam Newton, and I think that's misguided. If you put, if you had switched Peyton Manning with Cam Newton, Denver wins that game by 70 points. Cam Newton struggled in that game because his teammates struggled. Um, but it was yeah. a great game. Peyton Manning did just enough to win. Peyton Manning tripped Dilford his way to his uh, second Super Bowl, and that's how I look at it. And, you know, like Cam, I, and here's the deal, you could have put any other quarterback in history on Carolina's team instead of Cam Newton, and they probably wouldn't have beat Denver that day. I mean, you can't be effective as a quarterback if you can't if your line's not blocking for you, if your receivers aren't making the plays, if you can't run the football. And and I think Carolina didn't run the football; they couldn't establish it, you know. And and that frustrated them. That really, I mean, somebody did something that nobody's been able to do all year, and that slowed down the running game and the offense of Carolina, but but then when they put it all in Cam's hands, the pass blocking, there was no way that that uh, blind side over there could block Denver. I mean, they were just, I mean, it was a skull dragging there. It was embarrassing, but, you know, usually you don't win it the first time you make it, usually. That's usually how it goes. Is you have to take steps. They went from a divisional game, a loss to Seattle, to the Super Bowl, so I'm hoping that Cam Newton and the Panthers learned a lot. And one thing they need to learn is in the draft this year, you know, you have Benjamin coming back, your receiver's not a problem, your defense is not a problem, get some offensive line help, whether it be in free agency or drafted, because that's the weakness of Carolina. That was the one weakness that nobody could expose during the season that finally got exposed. And, I mean, would, would you agree with that, that offensive line needs to be key for Carolina, even in free agency, not just drafting? Uh, yeah, I, I do think that they need some help in the offensive line. I think you need to add some depth and add uh, add some key pieces there. But I also think you do need to add a, another receiving option. Uh, Greg Olson and Benjamin are obviously two great building blocks. Uh, we'll see what happens with Funches. And I think Gen's a good slot guy, as inconsistent as he is. He's your home run hitter, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know if another receiver wouldn't do this team well. Uh, I guess that depends on how they how they feel Funches is developing. Because if, if the team feels that Funches is doing fine, then why stir up the pot? Uh, but offensive line clearly is a need. I mean, let's be honest. How many of the guys offensive line could you name? And I think that's and it, I know a lot of people can't name linemen, but guys like you and me can. But we pay attention to that. How many of them did you honestly go? Oh, I remember watching him in college. Oh, I've heard of this guy before. It was a no-name cast, and no-name cast kind of worried me. 
Yeah, but remember, the Carolina lost one of their best offensive linemen early in that football game. And it, it, when you're already having trouble getting some rhythm, getting protection, then you try to add a backup in there that really wasn't expected to play. It just, the whole world got flipped upside down. I think Denver's a good football team. Are they the best team in the NFL? No. I, I still think Carolina's the best football team in the NFL, and they showed it throughout the entire year. When you have a two-week break, Jonathan, and, you know, anything can happen. You know, Carolina would have played Denver the week after the AFC and NFC championship game. I think Carolina would have won that game, honestly. I think that for two weeks, all we heard was, how Carolina, how how in the world could Denver even match up with this team? And usually, when you hear that, and we talked about that a lot, didn't we? When 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 one side, when when the when the public's on one side, it's usually scary. Like eighty one percent of the people were betting on Carolina, and that's scary, Jonathan, because as a gambler and somebody that bet in the past, I know the public's usually wrong. And you think Vegas is going to take a shot like that in one week? No, that's the only game being played. Everybody's betting it. It just worried me. The point spread, didn't, I didn't like it. I thought, I thought it was too low. But let me tell you one thing that tipped me off in the second half was when I looked at the second line, Carolina was down six, and they were only favored for four and a half on the defensive half. Which, and getting the ball back, we had to say that Carolina wasn't going to win this game, Jonathan. Well, you put the line at four and a half because they're down six. Let's be realistic. They can't score five. You know, it's the it's almost impossible to score five points in an NFL game. So they're betting on two field goals or a touchdown. Um, I, I mean, I'll just leave it at this. Pre-game, after we did our, our pre-game show, I sat there uh, and I'm like, man, you know, I wasn't going to bet this game, but I'm going to bet it now. And I parlayed Denver money line with uh, the under 45. And I, I said, that's if it's going to go tonight, that's how it's going to go. And, you know, it was just one of those things where you knew because of the build-up. You knew because all the all the talk around Carolina and Mike Wilbon actually had a pretty good quote. Uh, Mike Wilbon said he knew Denver won the Super Bowl when Carolina came out for pregame warmups and Cam Newton came out there in the gold MVP group. He said when he saw Cam Newton wearing the gold MVP group, he knew Denver had won because uh, he, what was it? Uh, that was there. There was a defining moment. I won the MVP. The journey's here. And he goes, no, 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 no. The goal, that journey ends with the Super Bowl. You can still get the MVP afterwards. Don't be coming out the day, you know, the day of the Super Bowl talking about how you're the MVP. And uh, I, you know, yep. I think it made sense. But I think Von Miller just ate some lunch. What? And you called that what, what MVP, that? Brian? Yeah, I did, didn't I? I said if they were gonna win. It was Von Miller was your MVP. <laughs> <laughs> you called that dead I knew it wasn't going to be Peyton Manning. I'm not that crazy. Hold on, my computer just started. Let me, my volume just came on. Let me turn my volume. I apologize if you hear CBS talking right. Every last CBS is up because I want to look at some basketball here in a few minutes. But, but Jonathan, man, Brian Tarbin, your host here, is started his new career and his new journey in the restaurant business. It's been fun so far, man. Good, man. I'm, I'm glad you're having a good one. I do want to congratulate you on that. Uh, good luck with that one, man. Yeah. The restaurant business can uh, it can eat you up, and then uh, you're going to eat some of it up. <laughs> well, well, I've been there four days, right? Monday was a holiday, and, and they gladly paid me for that and being there, so thank you. Um, but you know, half of my week was involved in taste testing. I was in there room with a notebook eating, and I'm like, oh, Scott, I'm going to throw up. I've eaten so much food. Old. So this weekend, I've eaten light. I've eaten very light this weekend, and I have to learn what taste test means. It doesn't mean eat the whole chicken. It means take a bite of it. <laughs> you know, even, even, I, even I have to contain myself, but... You know, 17 years in the financial world, and, you know, I learned a lot of life lessons in there, management, project management, relationship management. So I took everything I learned there, and I'm taking it to this side, and I hope it works out well. But, you know, we're not going to ever quit weigh-in sports talk until it's indicated. We're on satellite radio, Johnson. You and I are going places, man, I'm telling you. So let's, just, let's just work on getting it there. And I know in the last year I haven't been as serious with everything going on in my personal life. I think this could be a syndicated radio show. What do you think? 
Oh, always, man. Come on now. Your 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 voice and my talent, we, we can take over the world. What do you mean? Your voice and talent, my voice and talent, man. Come on, man. Well, I mean, you're the talent. I just have a voice. No, I'm no talent. It's, uh, it's all you guys that, that talk sports with me. And one thing I love about this show, Jonathan, we talk what we want to talk, when we want to talk it, how we want to talk. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not right now being the president if I want to. <laughs> but um, I'm not going to do that on way in sports off. But hey, let's get football just for a second. Let's. Do you want to talk some college basketball for a few minutes? Oh, I've been eyeballing it. I don't mind at all. All right. Well, we're going to come back, but let's finish it up. Carolina, I think, you know, sports, it's not surprising what happened on that field. Uh, the officials were terrible. But that happens mm-hmm. when you're looking at a team one way. And, you know, I'm a Carolina fan, and when I watch it, I see all the bad calls on Carolina. But I don't I don't see all the bad calls that went against Denver. So <laughs> so I, I can't really blame it on the officials on that one. But Carolina, if you look at live sports, Carolina next time will be ready for that game. They weren't ready. Kind of like Denver wasn't ready for that game two years ago when Seattle came in, right? They weren't ready. They right. were favored. Peyton Manning, and they got – they got pistol whipped, and I think the reason they the reason they won this game was because of that embarrassment they took two years ago, and it's been eating at a lot of these guys. But Von Miller, congratulations! You won a Super Bowl by yourself, man. I'm telling you, uh, steroids are good. That's all I can tell you. Steroids are good. I, I wouldn't say but, he won but, it by himself. The Marcus Ware did a pretty good job too. Know, Maybe just the two of them won it. <laughs> I'm joking, but 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 tonight I want to talk about uh, after we talk basketball, I want to talk some Peyton Manning, what's going on at Tennessee. Get your take on that and other people. Six four six seven one six five five six four. We'll dab into some college football, some things that's happened. We'll just have some fun. We haven't been on it in a long time, but I'm looking at the projections, and I'm at CBS right now for college basketball. I think it's Jerry Palm. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, but they have Alabama as an eight seed in the tournament. And I just wanted to ask you, Jonathan, and, and I had a buddy that he hates Alabama about as much as I do, and, you know, they won at LSU in Florida, and he's like, man, they're good. And I'm like, not really. I said, they're going to lose at home against Mississippi State. And he's like, there's no way Mississippi State's awful. And I was like, Alabama will be Alabama again. And, and I think Alabama caught a couple of these teams at bad times. And I think that's what I've noticed when I watched them play. Both of those teams were struggling. Mississippi State comes in and wins. Can you honestly put Alabama in the tournament right now as, a, as an eight seed after losing at home to Mississippi State if it ended the day, if it ended all ended the day? No. No, there's no way. I didn't think Alabama, even after they beat Florida, uh, and Lord knows I was mad about that game, but I, I, I didn't think then that they were a tournament team, and I still don't think they are. I, they're, they're an NIT team at the end of the day. Um, I just don't understand how somebody could have them as an eight seed and leave some of these schools from the smaller conferences like the Atlantic 10, which might be the best conference in all college basketball out. Yeah, and here's the deal. Alabama, you put them in the tournament, they may, and I mean this, I'm, I'm saying this cautiously, they may win a game. I mean, and, and I think the only way they would get in is because of the Avery Johnson story, being the coach and everything. But you got to remember Auburn beat this team. <laughs> and, uh, and, and again, it was when Auburn was fully loaded for the most part. They, they still had a team, but now they've dropped like flies. But I just looked at it, and I was just thinking, how in the world could you put Alabama there? But I'm going to tell you, if if it's projected the way it is now in the West, Kentucky's a fifth seed. Kentucky's going to going to be in that tournament, and they're going to play very well once that tournament comes because they have a point guard. They're getting some big man help now. But but let me tell you where they're projected. The one seed in that region is Virginia. Okay, Kentucky's a five seed projected. The number two seed is Iowa. Three, Oregon. Mm. Four, Iowa State. Mm. Are you kidding me? I mean, if you're Kentucky, you're over there laughing. You're licking your chops because you know if you have the talent. You have the most talented team out of that region, right? In the West, if you if you look, Indiana, Temple, UAB is a good little basketball team that nobody's giving credit to right now. You got mm-hmm. Providence and St. Joe's. But, I mean, couldn't you see Kentucky making a run and winning that, making the Final Four just just because of those teams that are in that 
Uh, not because of the teams. The only reason I see, because uh, I think I was an excellent team. Um, I've seen Virginia up close uh, when they came to Tallahassee. And even though Florida State beat them that night, I still think that's an excellent uh, Virginia team. Um, I think Iowa was a pretty good team. But I will say Kentucky's turned a corner. And I, I, you know, a month ago I was talking about how Kentucky was done. This is an NIT team. In all honesty, I was waiting to see when the, when the corner was going to get turned. Just like when they were the eight seed and they made the run all the way to the title game and lost to Connecticut. You knew sooner or later that Calipari would put his foot down and this team would make a run. And that's what they've done. They've done a phenomenal job uh, getting the talent out of everybody. Tyler Eulis deserves consideration for player of the year. I think he's a phenomenal point guard. He's the reason why this team's really turned it around. Um, you know, on top of the veteran leadership that's been shown by ProSight and other guys of that nature, Humphreys, even though he cost his team the game last night, is playing phenomenal. I, you know, I think that it all comes down to whether or not uh, this bunch of young kids, they can, you know, they grow up a little between now and the time it goes because it looks like they're going to lose at least one more game in between now and the tournament beginning. Yeah, and, and look, you're at loss in overtime last night. That's a decent A&M team. You're going to lose games. They got that technical foul. I think that really killed them. They had that game. But Kentucky can go on the road, and we saw it. They went to Kansas in a, in a primetime game on Tuesday night, I think it was. Had them beat the entire – or Saturday night. Had them beat the entire game, Jonathan. Had them beat the entire game. And that's when before they turned the curve, before they turned the corner, I meant – um, this team's going to come together, and when they do, it's going to be hell. But when I'm watching college basketball right now, I watch Michigan State. I mean, I mean, I'm not crazy, am I? I think Michigan State could be one of the best teams in the country and win that tournament because of what they have. They still have a lot of their nucleus together from last year's team. They've got Izzo, and I just don't see a very dominant team in college basketball right now. You look at Kansas, they're beatable. They're very talented. Villanova is Villanova. They'll choke in the second round, if, if I if I had to guess. But but the team that I believe in most right now, that would be a one-seed, Jonathan, and tell me what you think. I like Xavier. We've watched them. We've talked about them on this show. I think they're made up of juniors and seniors, and I think they can run through this whole tournament. That's how good they are. And Oklahoma, by the way. Oklahoma's a very good team. Yeah, Xavier's an excellent team. Oklahoma's a very good team as well. Um, I, I think both teams can make deep runs. I like what I've seen out of Xavier this year. Um, I think that's a team that has been overlooked in the past, but I, I don't know if too many people are going to overlook them this year, and rightly so. They, they've been just downright excellent. <laughs> um, I think Oklahoma's a pretty good team. They can't get, back, get past Kansas, unfortunately. Um, and I think that Honestly, that could be a title game. I really like this Kansas team right now. The team, the upperclassmen have really taken this team over and put it upon themselves to lead these teams to victories. And another team that I'm keeping an eye on is North Carolina. North Carolina has the They look good yesterday, Johnson. man. Oh, they looked, I mean, they smoked Miami. And Bryce Johnson, <laughs> his coming out night was the Florida State game when he put up, I think it was 30 and 20. Um, yeah, but he's yeah. been phenomenal. Marcus Page is a phenomenal point guard. And to win the tournament, I think you need a good big guy who can just have games where he can kill it. And I think you need a point guard who knows what he's doing, a veteran point guard who could take over the show. And I think they have both those, and that's that's a recipe for success mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, and the loss to Duke, it happens, man. It happens. You even the It seems like the team at home Poor usually coaching. does the worst in that rivalry. You know? I mean, it was just like a game that happened. They didn't play well. That's a, You can't penalize North Carolina for losing to Duke in the game. And you'll, you'll see at the end of the year, North Carolina will beat Duke and get it back, and they'll probably win the ACC tournament. But the ACC's loaded this year, man. Miami's a very good team. Virginia, North Carolina. Duke's like the seventh team in the ACC. Syracuse, Louisville. I mean, my God, what a conference. I mean, it's, I mean you, you could have your own tournament there and just say the winner of this is the best team in college basketball and you could be true but the Big Ten looking at Michigan State right now I mean how could you go against Tom Izzo right now Jonathan and what he can do in a tournament I really 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 love this team and uh, give me your thoughts on Michigan State this year I know last year they surprised the people 
but they didn't surprise you and I because we always talked about Michigan State making the Final Four. I had them predicted to, to make it. Didn't have them going to the championship, but I had them in the Final Four. Well, it's the same thing every year with Michigan State. Very talented school with a, you know, with a lot of uh, upperclassmen. I mean, it's the same recipe time in, time out. What, what they do is they get these guys like Draymond Green, like a Denzel Valentine, who they tell it, you guys are going to be three, four-year players. And he develops them, and they become something special, and they provide great leadership. And when, when it matters most, those guys take the shots. I mean, are there nights where Denzel Valentine just chucks his team out of existence? Yeah, of course. That happens with a lot of the best players out there. Uh, but I, I think this Michigan State team is just they play so complete, and they're so well coached, and they're so disciplined that this team's going to make a run to Elite Eight, and nobody's going to talk about it because you're expecting it. I mean, Michigan State's going to be there when it's all said and done. You mark my words. And on this show tonight, I'm going to do a Sweet 16 team, and we haven't seen a bracket. We haven't seen anything. Maybe it's going to be the team right now that they're predicted to play number three seed Oregon State, Oregon. They'll turn around and beat by Indiana. You want to see the results of the team. They're the one. I've had my eye on for a few weeks. For real, and uh, I think since their first loss to Auburn to start the year, they've lost a couple of ball games. And they, they're just a very good team. And, and I'm looking at Jonathan Duke to force the – I just don't think that's I – mean, I think Duke's going to get better, but as of the day, they deserve a four seed right now when you watch Duke. I mean, they're going to get the four seed based off the name and, and the fact that they've won some big games. Um, I think Duke's a quality team. I think it's somebody to keep your eye on as the tournament uh, draws near. Uh, Grayson Allen's a, a pretty darn good player, and that, that game against Louisville is kind of an anomaly. Um, you don't really see Grayson Allen get, get into foul trouble like that. So I, I think Duke has a chance to make a run. I think a four seed would be a gift to him. Uh, but at the same time, there's so much parity in college basketball this year that a four, five seed could really Doesn't be a kiss matter. of death. Could really be a kiss of death. They got some good mid-majors this year. Valparaiso's one. Um, St. Mary's mm. is another that are just really good and can get those those double-digit seeds and make runs. How about Monmouth? I like them. Is that how you pronounce them? They're pretty good. Basketball. Yeah. Excellent team. Uh, my only problem yeah. with Monmouth is that they kind of remind me of Villanova because um, they're you know they they seem to be a team that they have to be hitting their shots on all cylinders and they take a lot outside of the paint. Um, if they're not hitting their their threes, that team could be in trouble. But that's just very they play defense at another level. Kind of reminds me a little bit of VCU when VCU made their run. Yes, we got St. Joe's in there. Very good quality team. Balpo, like Texas getting a fifth seed. I think that's a joke. I'm just Balpo would beat them if they played them. I'm just come at the bracket right now. But Villanova won, John. I have no faith in Villanova. I'm sorry. I, I see every year. I see them run through their season. And they they just choked in the tournament. What what is it with Villanova? Is it not having the big man really sitting on three when you go cold? I mean, it's over. I mean, you only have one shot, and you're cold. Well, I think part of Villanova's problem is that they rely so much on a three pointer, uh, and you know they play that small ball four and one. And I, I do think it really hurts them because like, yeah, I, yes, they're not hitting every shot. Oh boy! You know, you start get you start getting the teams in transition. Uh, you know, you're give, you're giving up fast breaks because you're trying to sell out for the rebounds at a certain point. You know that from playing basketball. Once once you start bricking at a pretty consistent basis, you know half your team's going to start selling out for the for the rebound. It's just going to open up a box that you don't want anything to do with. So you know, I think Villanova and you know unless they've changed things up, which I haven't seen this year. I mean that's a team that lost to Oklahoma by I want to say twenty five on a neutral court. Unless things change up when they get in the tournament, I think that's a team that could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and Michigan's a team on the bubble, and 
and they they almost beat Maryland. Maryland's a very very good basketball team, and Michigan just sometimes or for some reason, Jonathan, it seems like they start playing their best basketball around this time. We're getting close to March. I mean, do you think Michigan's a tournament team? I say yes. What do you think? Uh, I watched them today, and one of the things that got left out, it seemed like in the broadcast a little bit, was that they played very well today shorthanded. They were without their best player and leading scorer, Karis LeVert, uh, who missed the game, who missed his 13th game of the year due to injury. And it says a lot that they you know, missed their leading scorer for half the season, and this team is where they are. Uh, you look at their schedule, and they have nine losses, but I wouldn't you know, count any of them as a bad loss. I think this is a very good Michigan team, and I think this is a team that could make a, a run in the tournament if everybody's healthy and running on all cylinders. Yeah, and in the conference they play in, people forget about that, how good it is, how deep it is. You know, we we have the ACC, they're right up there, and the Big Ten. Those are the two best basketball conferences in America, really, to me. And uh, I think when you're a bubble team and you're in a conference like that and battle-tested, Jonathan, I think just like college football or any other sport, it, it should matter in this, right? I like a Michigan team that's been through a tough tournament, a Big Ten tournament, a tough regular season. Uh, I trust them more in a tournament than I do uh, these other teams like Alabama or somebody. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I, I heard a lot of buzz. Um, I was watching – Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Kansas, Kansas State, and the announcers were talking about how good the Big 12 is and all that jazz. And I'm sitting there going, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Outside of Kansas, Oklahoma, and, you know, Baylor, West Virginia, okay, those are four teams that are in the tournament today no matter what. Um, And really, Oklahoma and Kansas are the only two that are being considered for a top two seed. So you got ten teams in that conference. And I don't know if six will make it in. I mean, Texas might, but I don't. I think Texas is a one-and-done candidate. So I don't know about the Big 12 being this great conference uh, like I keep hearing. I think that's a little overblown, the Big 12 being this great conference. Yeah, it's Big 10 and ACC, man, those two right there. I could argue which one's the best, and, and we could sit here all night long and, and both be right. But the SEC, they're – they're they're a little deeper than that they they don't really besides Kentucky Jonathan who does the SEC have that you could see winning a championship this year nobody right all right yeah not not a single team um, I mean A and M's good but I don't think they're good enough to win it all <laughs> no God no there's not a team that Kentucky's probably your only Sweet Sixteen team if I had to guess maybe LSU could in there and do something A and M and get in there but if you're talking about Truly, a, a team that can win a championship or fi- make a Final Four. Kentucky's the only team. The Big Twelve, I think Oklahoma or Kansas, those two right there. So they have two teams where the SEC has one. But go to the ACC, Jonathan. Tell me how many can win it. Uh, looking at the ACC, I think Duke is still a quality contender. I think North Carolina's in there. Um, honestly, I think Virginia can make a run. They play great defense. Their offense is playing a lot better this year. Um, you know, and it's weird to think about it, but Miami could make a run. If their guards are hitting their shots, that is a scary team. They got a big guy down low. His name's eluding me right now. Big old seven-footer who can just swallow up every rebound. Miami's a team that can make a run. I think this team is better than the one that ran into the tournament and died pretty quick uh, a couple years ago. Um, yeah. And I think that's a, that's your sleeper, like, six seed, five seed. Yeah, I think Miami is probably a, a two or a three if they mm-hmm. if they handle their business and they they end the term in the season on a good note. But I mean, they're so deep. The ACC is. I mean, Louisville can't make it this year because they're of the ban they put on themselves. But there's another team that that you never know about, Jonathan Louisville. I mean, taking them out. I mean, that's huge. But I mean, that's another team that could win a championship if they get hot. Yeah, I think Louisville's an excellent team, and the fact that they're banned from the tournament, a self-imposed ban nonetheless, is a shame. Um, you know, I thought if you're going to hand down a ban, you should have done it uh, for next year, not this year. Um, you know, you had a couple seniors transfer in who were there essentially just for that shot. Um, you know, 
it's a shame. It really is because, you know, college basketball is losing one of the best teams in, in the country um, for, for the stretch run. And it, that just just bothers me a little bit. I'm not going to be able to see them in March. Yeah, me too. And it shouldn't – just because Louisville did something wrong doesn't mean the whole team should have to suffer for it. I mean, these guys work hard to get to where they are. And uh, I don't know. Rick Patino, is he going to be the coach after this year? Um, I, I have word from sources that Patino is actually going to retire uh, at the end of this year um, before the season started. But ever since uh, the self-imposed ban, uh, he doesn't want to go out like this. So the buzz is, is that he's going to hang around for one more year and that, uh, oddly enough, Travis Ford, who's currently the head coach at Oklahoma State, would be the first in line to get the head coaching job at Louisville. Um, there's an outside shot of Little Patino, who's coaching at Minnesota right now, but I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, remember, he played for Patino. And, uh, mm-hmm. he, he was a he was a favorite at Patino, so I'm sure Patino carries a lot of weight if it's, if he decides, you know, who's going to be his predecessor or, or successor. I'm I'm sorry, but. I'm excited about this tournament. How many more weeks do we have the regular season? About three? Um, three weeks? Uh, Four gosh, weeks. If memory serves me right, we essentially have one week of regular season left, and then it's a conference tournament. Let me, th- let me look at a schedule or two here and see. Um, I thought because the tournament goes into April, so – we're, right. I think at the end of February, first of March is when the conference tournaments are, I believe. I thought. Right. So Tuesday here. after next. Wow, it's, it's getting close, man. It's getting yeah. close. Let me let me just look right here while I'm while I'm yapping here. Kentucky Wildcats schedule. That's what we're looking at right now. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that play, in on you. <laughs> all right, they play Alabama February 23rd at Vanderbilt at Florida and LSU. So there's two weeks left. So there's two weeks left in the season, and then the mm-hmm. conference. So we got this weekend, this next weekend coming up. And one more probably. It looks like because this is going to be the 20th. Yep, two more weeks. So not much longer. I mean, these teams on the bubble, they have no room for error. And looking at, at Kentucky's schedule right now, they should be able to win out and, uh, you know, do some damage. Looking back at their schedule, they did lose. They beat Duke, you know, to start out the season, which is no easy task. They lost to UCLA on the road. Yeah. Uh, they lost to Ohio State, which was surprising yeah. to me. And then they lost to LSU. So they've lost some games in conference this year where, you know, last year people – where they didn't, which I didn't think they'd lose this year like that. But I think they're starting to click. I know they're 20-7. and seven. That's a lot of losses coming from a team that went undefeated in the regular season. But they've got the point guard. They've got the big man. They've got some other teams developing. Give me your prediction now. Do you think Kentucky's going to be a Final Four team or not? Come on. I don't. I think they're a Sweet 16 team and no further. I'll have to see the bracket, who they who they get seated against and everything, who's the one and twos and threes and fours. Because I think everybody get a four seed at the end of the day. I get in there mm-hmm. about a four or five seed, and they're going to make some noise. Because like you said, the parity in basketball, we, we saw it. When Kentucky was an eight seed and Villanova was a nine seed, I think they both made the championship. So that ought to tell you something. Right. I mean that that, right. that this is one of those years where I don't think you're bet you're putting your money on anybody to win it right now. No, I couldn't. I couldn't guess it if I had to. I couldn't guess it if I had to. Anything else in college you want to talk about in college basketball? Um, I mean. I do want to mention that my Seminoles uh, effectively uh, killed their tournament hopes by losing Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. Good job, guys. Um, maybe we'll fire Hamilton now. Uh, and I, I think another team to keep an eye on in the ACC that I keep forgetting is in the ACC as far as basketball goes is Notre Dame. 
Uh, it's a team that was battle-tested last year, and I think they're still a very good team. Uh, somebody to keep an eye on the ACC is, is stupid deep once you start thinking about it. It is stupid deep. Yeah, it's just too deep, man. Hey, let's let's go back to the NFL real quick. What is what are the Rams thinking cutting Larnatis Long and Cook? I mean, seriously? I I could not tell you in a heartbeat what's going on there. Um uh you you lose two of your defensive leaders, uh and Lor and and Long. Uh, and then you know you lose, you give up on Cook, which is a shame because Cook was uh, he was getting better for that team as it goes along, and he served his role perfectly for them. I I, I don't I'm not going to understand anything the Rams do for the next year or two, and I think that's something that they're kind of enjoying. It's unbelievable, and uh, and I'm hearing they want to bring Peyton Manning. To, the, to Los Angeles to be the quarterback, which I thought Peyton Manning, after watching him in the Super Bowl, I don't know who would want him. Yeah, I agree. I think Peyton should go ahead and just be like Elway, right off into the sunset with, with the Super Bowl victory. Uh, you know, the storybook ending can't get much better than that. Don't don't ruin it by pulling a Namath or a Unitas and spend an extra year just wasting your life in California. And when speaking of uh, Peyton Manning, wanted to talk about some of this crap going on with him about the uh, incident while he was in Tennessee with a sexual harassment settlement, 300000 I think his family settled. But I was going to ask you, Jonathan, on that. People think all he did was moon the girl. Would A teenager mooning a girl, do you think that's worth a $300,000 settlement? Uh, no, and... Hey, let, let's be honest. There's her story, there's his story, and they're somewhere in the middle. And that's where you're going to find the truth to this. Um, I, I think the whole situation, it, it, it's weird, but this happened in 1996. I, I, I mean, 20 years later, this is getting brought back up, and that kind of bothers me because I went back and went through some of the archives, and this was heavily covered within the Tennessee media. Just because the national media didn't pick them up pick it up doesn't mean that it wasn't covered that it was swept under the rug. The Tennessee media covered this pretty heavily. So I don't understand. I mean, I get it. There's a whole lawsuit against them and this is part of the lawsuit, so of course now it's got to be talked about again, but I don't think now we need to go ahead and try and shame Manning's career and shame him for something that happened 20 years ago that was already dealt with and handled with. I mean, why rehash it for a third time? Because this was brought back up in 2003 and Huh, funny enough, nobody really wanted to talk about it then, but now that he's going to retire, they want to talk about it. I mean, this is just like Ray Lewis, Deer Antler Spray, and people are just looking to, to sully a name at the end of a career because they think the guy's not going to fight back. Yeah, I mean, it's just so long ago. My God, it'd be different if it was three years ago or two years ago, but this is 20 years ago. Good Lord. I mean, it's just I mean, unbelievable that the... I was two when this happened. I'm turning 22 next Sunday. Okay? That tells you how long of a gap it's been. My whole life has gone by. Okay? And this wasn't mentioned. And now all of a sudden people want to bring it back up. Come on. It's just like the bag man with Cam Newton. Like, you know, when somebody's successful. And I'll tell you what it was. He started threatening Tom Brady a little bit, you know, with that matchup against him. And he was going to go out a winner. And then... All of a sudden, he wins a Super Bowl. People want to put him down. I mean, they hate people that stand for something good and and do it the right way. And I'm not saying he's perfect. Nobody is. We're all here on this earth. We all make mistakes. You could go look in my past in my closet, find some things that I'm not proud of, find some things you're not proud of. But isn't it glad, aren't you glad you don't have to get reminded of it every day? Uh, you bet. I mean, I, I don't. I just it just blows my mind how, you know, people want to rehash this and you know, I get it Sean King's talking about, you know, he's the one who wrote the article for uh the New York uh with the Daily News. He's an he's idiot. The, he's an idiot. I, I'm not a fan of Sean King. I find him to be uh, I find many faults with his journalism. Let me leave it at that. And you know, he's talking about how he's, now he's, he's not a journalist. That's 
Oh, he's not. He's a shock jock, and that bothers me. Um, but you know, he's you know he he's talking about how all the negative negativity he's facing as ever since he put the story out, and it's like, well, when you have other members of the media attacking your writing, you've done something wrong, and that that's how I look at this, and I think that this whole situation, the the media needs to stop going ahead and, and trying to pimp this one out for the views. I mean, ESPN essentially told their employees, don't talk about this, shut up. Don't bring it up. I don't want to hear about it. We don't want to put it on our network. We want nothing to do with this. We covered this 20 years ago. We're not covering it again. And I don't. And I have no faults with, with that look at it. Yeah, they didn't. If ESPN doesn't want to take part in it, then, you know, it, it's got to be real bad. I mean, like not even true and far-fetched. Then you got the HGH thing. If he took it, who cares, really? Honestly, does it, does it really benefit him? Probably doing it to be healthy. But uh, I just wish people would leave him alone and let him retire in peace. But I think it's what it is. is he, he portrays his perfect life and perfect image, and people may know that it's not, and they try to just drag him down. It's miserable people, Jonathan, that they hate themselves, mm-hmm. hate their own lives. They try to make everybody else's life suck, too. And they can't take mm-hmm. it well they they can't take it but yeah looking at the draft coming up man just i was looking through the draft the combine coming up man you're talking about a crappy quarterback class in the nfl this year man if you're if you're a team in need of a in desperate need of a quarterback what do you do i mean what do you do call 911 i mean you got carson wentz out of north dakota state he's listed as your top one jared goff of california I mean, the guy from Memphis, what's his name? The uh, Paxton Paxton Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, I mean, this this is not a very good class for quarterbacks, is it? Um, That's kind of a nice way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, this this isn't a Jameis Winston, uh, Marcus Mariota, and Andrew Luck RG3 type class for those big names. Uh, And, of course, everybody's going to go back to the draft with Jim Kelly and Dan Marino and guys like that. And I get that. Um, you know, everybody's trying to find their next franchise quarterback. I think there is some, some serviceable quarterbacks in this draft. Um, I don't understand the hype around Carson Wentz. I'm going to have to do a little more film study on him. Uh, Pax and Lynch, uh, I've seen. Um, I think he's good. I think he needs time to develop like Blake Bortles did, and that's who he reminds me of the most. Um, I think Jared Goff's going to need time to develop. And I think that's why a lot of people are, are kind of being picky about this draft is these aren't day one starters. And let's be honest, you're not going to get day one starters every year. There's not going to be a day one starter at quarterback every time you come out. That's why there's only 32 uh, quarterback positions in the NFL. Um, you know, and only maybe half those teams have guys that you would consider court franchise type quarterbacks. Uh, to where, you know, you would actually build something around them. So I, I think everybody needs to just relax a little, uh, take it easy on these kids. You know, Christian Hackenberg, I think, could be the steal of this draft. Um, you yep. take him in the third round. Yep, nobody's talking about him. You're right. And and he's played against some good defenses. I look at this draft and I see some other players like Joey Bosa, I mean, Larry Tunsil, Jalen Ramsey, Hargrave. I mean, some of these guys that are Raglan, Reggie Raglan from Alabama. There's some great names, Ezekiel Elliott. you got some studs, Laquan Treadwell, Von Bell. I mean, think about all these – Robert Kimdichie. Think about all these names that people can get in this first round. It's loaded. It's, it's a loaded first round this year, but I just don't think there's really any first-round quarterbacks that I would take. Well, and that's the best thing about this draft is that there's there's a lot of talent at the other positions. And, you know, that's always something that we look towards, you know, offensive line, linebackers, guys in the secondary, defensive linemen. We're always looking for that talent. And, you know, within a year where we could have a lot of that quality talent out there, I think that's a good thing for the draft because that means that those guys are going to get drafted earlier, they're going to get their money, and they deserve it. You know, this isn't a strong running back class. This isn't – Really, a strong receiver class or a strong quarterback class or tight ends. You're looking at your defense, your defense and your offensive linemen. 
That's what you're eyeballing here, and that's what you build a championship around. Look at the Denver Broncos. Look at Carolina, who got there with a phenomenal defense. And you see it time and time again. Teams that build to the offensive line and to the defense is past success. They need the quarterback help, of course. Mm-hmm. But we've seen that to win a championship, you don't always need a franchise quarterback. You need somebody who's good enough. If you're Carolina, you trade and you get up there and take Larry, Laramie Tunsil out of Ole Miss as your, as your left tackle. What do you think, Johnson? What's the chances of that happening? That would make me very happy on draft day being a Panthers fan. Uh, it would be great for the Panthers, but your odds of that happening are slim to none. Um, I know Tennessee is fielding offers for the number one pick um, for a team apparently looking at a quarterback. And if they don't trade the number one pick, I have a sneaking suspicion that they are taking Tunzel, uh because, you know, you drafted who you hoped for franchise quarterback last year in Mariota. Well, how do you help him out? Well, let's get him some protection. So I think Tennessee's looking at Tunzel, and I think you'd have to hope that somebody who's really quarterback hungry can get him, because if not, he's going number one. And there's nobody else I'm taking at number one besides Tunsil. I know ESPN and all these guys have Bosa and Ramsey ahead of them, but look, offensive tackle, man, left tackle. You can find somebody like this, you get them. I mean, this is a three-year starter, Jonathan, that has dominated the SEC, some of the best defensive linemen to come through. Um, he's just, I mean, Ole Miss is, is where they are today because of him. And I, that's why I'm, I'm thinking, like, people have Ole Miss high next year thinking about it. Losing tussle off that offensive line is hard to, it's hard to replace that. It, it really is. I mean, because when he came back for Ole Miss, you saw how good they were. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. he's, you can run I by agree. and you can make it. I mean, he's just the man. And I've watched him play for three years and, I knew he was going to be a rich man one day, and he's about to be. But look at, look at Florida State's guy, Jalen Ramsey. He's he's definitely a starter as a rookie at the corner position for Florida State. you got to love this kid <laughs> and what he brings to the table. I, I, I love Jalen, and I would have loved to see him come back for his senior year. But go get your money, son. You've earned it. Um, yeah. uh, that's definitely somebody. There's talks to him going, you know, anywhere from about, I think, four to six. Um, would I love it if he fell to the Bucks at nine? <laughs> yeah, of course. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I think we'd have to trade up to get him. So, um, I, I mean, I think Ramsey's somebody who a lot of teams are eyeballing uh, early and maybe somebody trades up for him. He's just a great quality talent. Reminds me a lot of uh, an Ed Reed, uh, Ed Reed, Sean Taylor t- uh, type of guy at safety. Yeah, well, there's some, there's some great offensive linemen. You know, in the first round, mm-hmm. there's a couple I'm eyeballing right now. But look at the defensive positions on this. I mean, my God. It's it's just loaded, man. If you want some defense, you need some offensive line. This is your draft. Like you said, receivers, uh, not very big on them. This class, there's some good ones out there running backs. But this is where you build your depth at right here. If you're, if you're mm-hmm. Carolina right now, if you're trying – got to get up there and steal some people, don't you? And, and not only that, free agency – People forget about that. Who's your big free agent, Jonathan, that you, you look to be moving? Uh, the biggest free agent that I have my eyes on is Muhammad Wilkerson. Um, I, I could foresee the Jets tagging him, and that bothers me. Uh, you know, I, I would really like to see him in Tampa. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson is one of the best defensive linemen in football right now. I think he's better than Sue. And we saw how much money Sue got on the open market. Um, so I think that's somebody to keep your eye on. Obviously, Von Miller's a free agent, but from the sounds of it, he's not getting out of Denver. Um, and, you know, an- another guy to keep your eye on if you're a Panthers fan is Cordy Glenn. He's a starting left tackle in Buffalo. He's a free agent this year. Cordy Glenn's a pretty good left tackle. Nobody really talks about him because he plays for Buffalo. I think that's somebody that's an under-the-radar uh, type signing. Then Alex Mack, who I haven't really heard this you know, it happened too many times. He's actually opting out of his contract with Cleveland. Um, and I think Alex Mack at center, he's an all-pro center. He could be a real steal for somebody if he can get a hold of him. Um, again, somebody I'd love to see come to Tampa. Yeah, looking at the Dallas Cowboys at four, what do they do with that one? I mean, you, you've got Romo coming back. It's just, it's just hard. You run it back position. 
I mean, do you really feel comfortable if you're Dallas? Who do you go with at four if you're Dallas? Do you get Hargraves to help that defense out? Do you, do you try to get Tunzel if he's available? I doubt he's going to be available at four, but where are you looking if you're Dallas? Uh, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I'm I'm looking a couple of different directions. Um, I think their offensive line is solid. Actually, they might have the best offensive line in the NFL. Um, I, I think this is a spot where you're looking at somebody in the secondary, whether it's a Ramsey or a Hargrave. Uh, you could be looking at the defensive line with a, uh, a Bosa-type player. Um, you could be looking at quarterback. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah, Laquan Treadwell, too, a wide receiver, and I think Treadwell's a stud. And it's amazing when you think about it how Treadwell and Tunzel, two of the top five picks, both from the same school. Um, so I, I think that's a couple different directions. And then Kendichi's not too far think, away. I don't know where he gets drafted. Yeah, I think that incident in Atlanta happens. really hurt his draft stock. Um I, I think he's more of a mid to late first round pick. He can even have a Randy Gregory type slide to the end of the second round. And obviously we've seen now that Randy Gregory failing his fourth drug test and being suspended the first four games of uh, this upcoming season. Now, now we know why he fell all the way to Dallas in the back end of that draft. But the Cowboys have a couple of different areas they can go. Um, I see them taking a hard look at Ramsey. I see them taking a hard look at Bosa. I see them taking a hard look at uh, Treadwell. And then one of the quarterbacks, I honestly think that they're going to take a peek at the quarterbacks. Rumble can't play forever. Now, you can't cut him, and he can't retire because that kills your cap either way because of all the restructuring they've done. Well, how about, how about but, RG3, though? I heard Dallas uh, honestly, I think RG3 going to Dallas and sitting behind Romo would be good for RG3, and I think it would be good for the Cowboys. I think it's a beneficial move for both sides. Um. RG3 is a very talented quarterback. There's no doubt about it. And I think his ego has solidly been checked. Uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody can disagree with that. So I think that's a guy that a Dallas could pick up and let him sit and learn and groom him, and he could be very successful, especially since Romo is held together by some paper mache at this point. You know, I was thinking Carolina would go after maybe Treadwell if they could get him. Could you imagine having – Benjamin Olsen, Treadwell, some of these guys like that, Sanchez, that Carolina could be oh. dangerous if they get a player like that. Uh, sort of why uh, Julio Jones-type trade uh, to where they, they mm-hmm. can get him, uh, would that would be huge for, for them. And, I mean, Cam Newton says yes in a heartbeat, let's be honest. And, you know, as much as people hate to say it, who's running – uh, your drafts more than your franchise quarterback, I'd really like to know. You know, he's going to obviously have had input whenever you're talking about offensive players. And here's the deal, Let's, and, and maybe I overreacted. You can't – if you're Carolina, the worst thing you can do right now is panic and, and try to rip apart an offensive line that's actually held up pretty well for an entire season. They got – I think they just got ambushed that last game. I think they just got outplayed, outcoached, outmaneuvered, outschemed. Whatever, Wade Phillips did a phenomenal job. So, do you really, if you're Carolina, do you tear apart that offensive line, and or do you just say, okay, let's let's get better at it right now, let's let's improve, but let's go out and get some of these skill players that that'll really help our offense because the defense is set. As long as they don't try to screw around with it, of course you want to draft some people. But if you're Carolina, maybe you do go after somebody like Treadwell or somebody a big kind of playmaker like that. Yeah, I do think you look at a you look to trade up if you can to acquire Treadwell. Uh, and a lot of people are going to say, well, there's some other good receivers. Yeah, but Treadwell is clearly the best uh, in this draft. And there's there's no no conversation about it as much as people want to try and talk about Michael Thomas uh, or Corey Coleman. So I, I think that if you can get Treadwell, you you go ahead. But I still think you need to address depth along the offensive line uh, as well as improving it a little. I mean, you can improve the offensive line and, you know, not tear it down, but competition brings out the best in a lot of the players, you know, and if they stay at the back of the first round, I think you acquire a lineman um, where, let's be honest, I mean, 
how much longer do you want Michael Orr playing uh, for you? I mean, he didn't last in Baltimore for reasons, and Baltimore fans were relishing in the fact that he got put on skates in that game. Yeah, he's not that great. But I think they used that. They were desperate, and I think that's why they got him. I mean, he did okay, you know, I mean, for the year, but he can't match up against the Von Millers of the world and Wares and guys like that. That 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 proved that. So that really, you know, other teams are going to notice that as well, Jonathan. They're going to notice the left tackle position is where, is where you attack Carolina. So, I mean, you agree with that? Now the, the blueprint's out. How you stop Carolina is you attack the blind side there and disrupt that entire offense. Yeah, no, I agree. And Denver did a great job with, uh, uh, green, you know, green dog glitches or green zones, whatever it's called, where they had guys who were playing in man and, um, on the tight ends and the running backs. And if they stayed in the block, they, they, they came in like a holy terror. And I think they did a really good job with that. They did a really good job with misdirection. Um, along you know, stunts and everything along the the line. So I mean, do, you know, you you try to take advantage of that when you can, but at the same time, uh, I I just think Carolina has to improve it. Yeah, I agree. Well, Jonathan, we're about to have to go in just a minute, but you want to do a show this week sometime? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, we'll try to get back on a regular, more of a regular schedule and especially college basketball, the tournament's coming up. we got the NBA. Did you watch the All-Star game the other night, the joke that was? <laughs> uh, no, I go out of my way not to pay attention to NBA All-Star weekend. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. I checked the highlights afterwards. I will, oddly enough, um, I did bet the Western Conference laying six points and over 321, so that hit both sides. Uh, don't ask me why, but I did. Over three twenty one. Think about that. Is that what you said? Yeah. Over, the over under was three twenty. Has there ever been a game that high of an over and under in basketball? No, it's the highest total ever set. Good lord! I mean, they play zero defense in that game. Zero. Who's the best yeah, player in the that... NBA right now? Oh, best player in the NBA today. I'm going to lean Steph Curry. Um, I think he might be the best. I think he's the best player right now, somebody who can play in all facets of the game. I think Draymond Green, uh, as much as he plays second fiddle in Golden State, if you look at his versatility and the fact that he got his 11th triple-double last night, a league leading as a starting center, um, I think that's somebody who's in the conversation. And a lot of people won't say that because he can't, you know, it's not really somebody who can shoot threes, but – Draymond Green, I think, is one of the better all-around players in the NBA and is like LeBron James light in, in, in a sense. Yeah. You know, Westbrook, I've been watching him. He's great, isn't he? He's, he's oh, just I love a phenomenal basketball player. Love watching him. He's he's smart. Well, he's just a, a machine. Durant's great and all, but that's Westbrook's team. I don't care what anybody says. Durant's not – he hasn't – wanted that leadership role. He's had a chance to have it. He didn't take it. It's Westbrook's. But, I mean, there's so so many phenomenal teams out, out in the West, but the East leaves a lot to be desired. I, I really don't think the East is going to play a role in anything, really. It's who's going to be second, and that's what you get. If you win the East, guess what? You're a runner-up in the NBA Finals because it really boils down to San Antonio and Golden State, which team's going to win the championship, right? Yeah, I mean, I think your top three teams in the league are all out west, uh, even though Cleveland put up uh, a whooping on OKC today. At least they were whooping up on them last time I checked. Um, and, I mean, it's funny because you see the Western Conference teams are struggling with the Eastern, with the Eastern Conference, which leads you to believe the Eastern Conference is better. But your champion is the winner of Golden State and San Antonio, that conference finals. That's really going to be the championship game. I mean, would it be – fun to see Cleveland play Golden State again for a championship. It would. I think that'd be a great series just because of how, you know, they know each other so well from last year. But I think at the end of the day, your two best teams are Golden State and San Antonio. And I just don't see anybody slowing Golden State down enough to to be able to beat them in seven games. I'm sorry. It's just, you may get them once or twice, but 
I mean, Curry can. I mean, they can go off so fast. I noticed watching them how they can they mm-hmm. can go on a twenty to nothing run in two minutes. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. holy crap, you know. I mean, this game gets it's over with quick. That's where I think they hold the advantage over San Antonio. San Antonio is not going to be able to slow the game down enough to be able to to keep these guys from going. Like you said, Green and all these guys, they're so deep. They they have shooters everywhere. They can go inside. It's just fun to watch them play, man. Just, I mean, and, and here's the deal. They're all so young. They can be together for 10 more years. <laughs> I, do you think they win 73? I think they could. I mean, I don't like. I mean, you never know how how people do, but they're so young that they don't really need to rest anybody. Right. So yeah, I think they can. Do you? Uh, the more I watch them, the more I think they're going to. Um, I watched them last night against the Clippers, and they thought about giving that game away. <laughs> they really <laughs> did. I, I don't know if anybody else watched the last minute of that game. But they were up 115 to, like, 100 or 101. And all of a sudden, the Clippers, it's 115-112 with all the backups in. And everybody's just shaking their head going, what just happened? And that's the only problem I worry about with Golden State. I think at times they get a little lackadaisical and they get a little too comfortable with how good they are. Uh, we saw it against the Sixers. We saw it last night. Um, that's what worries me about them getting to 73 but I don't think they're going to lose a game at home, and I don't know if they lose a game uh, in the state of California. And they have 17 home games left. they got 11 road games. I think, you know, they, they, they can lose only four more to break the record, and I think it's easily doable, and that's what's scary. I mean, we can be yeah, looking they, at they've, they've only lost five this year, month. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 54, they've only lost five. So, well, they have 20 it's games amazing. left. I mean, this might be a this might be the best team we've seen since those Bulls teams, and they could have that run. And it's just it's something we never thought we'd see again. And here it is. And then quietly, nobody's talking about them. But San Antonio, look at their record: forty-six to nine. I mean, I mean, my God, they're twenty-eight zero at home, Jonathan. Twenty-eight zero, mm-hmm. and they're eight and two. They're eight and two in their division. I mean, they won eighty percent of their games, and they're twenty six and five in the West, which is phenomenal. This team, again, I mean, Oklahoma City is good. I mean, it's hard in a series; you're going to have to play Westbrook and Durant. But again, who's the big man that you really that's really going to help them? I just don't. Ah, man, it's just it's just hard to figure all this out. But Golden State is a phenomenal basketball team. In fact, here's the deal: these are teams that are undefeated at home. You look at Cleveland, the best team in the East, they're 23-4 and four at home. Okay, mm-hmm. you got both teams out West, the best teams are 24-0 and 28-0, respectively. I mean, how do you how do you beat them in the playoffs? They're going to have home court advantage over you. So, I mean, how are you mm-hmm. going to steal a game? How are you going to steal a game on the road there? Uh, that's, that is the question. Um, and then, you know, you have that unfortunate reality of we're one Steph Curry ankle roll away from there being a whole wrench thrown in there. You know, and, that's, that's and how the about one thing Anthony Davis, Johnson, today? What about that Anthony Davis with 59 today? What kind of threat do they have if they could if they could squeak their way into the playoffs? Right now, what are they, five games out? Or, you know, about five games out of that eighth spot. If New Orleans got in there, could they – pose any kind of threat to Golden State or San Antonio? No. No. We saw it last year when Golden State got in. As a young team, I think they have a lot of problems. Um, and poor Anthony Davis just needs to get up out of Dodge. I, I think they he took the money with the extension, and that's fine and dandy, but he might have a Carmelo Anthony type career where it's like, yeah, you're the best player in your team every time, but you're not winning. And that just that's just not fun to watch. Anthony Davis is really a joy. Yeah, he is. And the surprise of the year to me in the East is Toronto right now, thirty five and eighteen. Pretty good little team there that could win the East. I'm I'm not sold on Cleveland just go ahead and giving them this this championship right now in the East. Are you do you think Toronto or Boston could could pull the upset and win the, the conference? Well, I, 
I think Boston's got a good team, and I think they have a great coach, but I think when it comes down to crunch time needing somebody to score, they're having a really hard time. I think Toronto's a fun team, and I think Toronto could take Cleveland to seven games, but then I think the officiating would come in and also LeBron shoots 43 points. So, <laughs> let's, good let's, let's, That's let's, good. Let's, let's not pretend the NBA isn't rigged. Um, so, I, I think, you know, the NBA wouldn't allow Toronto to beat Cleveland, which would be a shame. But I think I think it could be done. I just don't think Toronto could beat any of the teams out west. Yeah, I don't either. Well, Jonathan, man, it's been a pleasure to, jo- to have this hour and five minutes with you. Uh, we'll be back on air Wednesday or Thursday, and we'll we'll go through this again, and we'll definitely be back on next Sunday. Sounds great. All right, guys. Everybody, have a good weekend. If you're listening to the archives, make sure you join us. Keep a keep an alert out for weigh-in sports talk when we're going to do. Definitely Sundays, but we'll we're trying to play around with the day of the week right now. What we're going to do, but Jonathan, have a great week, buddy, and we'll see you soon. I uh, I really have a good one. All right.